The thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyal Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen we've been looking at discovering your identity in Christ somebody say my identity in Christ 2nd Corinthians 5 verse 17 the Bible says if any man be in Christ he's a new creation somebody say I'm in Christ I'm a new creation I'm in Christ I have a new identity I'm in Christ I'm a different personality Praise God. It's important that we understand that God does not view us as though we were in Adam. We establish the fact that God views all of humanity in one of two lenses. One is Adam. When God looks into that lens, he sees all men in Adam. And then there's a second lens God uses to look at us and that lens is Christ. So the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If any man be in Adam, he's an old creature. The old things are still there. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Praise God. We establish the fact that in Christ, we have a new identity. God looks at us in a different way altogether. What is that identity we have in Christ? The first identity we touched on a couple of weeks ago is the fact that in Christ... We are new creation. Somebody say, in Christ, I'm a new creation. And we established that as a new creation, there are many things that are new about us. What are some of the things we said? We said that as a new creation, you are under a new covenant. Somebody say, a new covenant. Say it, I'm under a new covenant. As a new creation, you belong to a new kingdom. Somebody say, I belong to a new kingdom. As a new creation, you have a new relationship. You have a new relationship with God. Somebody have a new relationship with God. As a new creation, you belong to a new family. Say, I belong to a new family. As a new creation, what again? You have a new heart. As a new creation, you have a new heart. As a new creation, you have a new spirit. As a new creation, you have a new nature. And as a new creation, what again? You have a new identity. As a new creature, you have a new name or a new identity. Praise God. Is that all? You have a new life. Somebody say, I have a new life. As a new creation, you have the life of God in you. You have the God kind of life in you. You have eternal life in your spirit. You have a new destination. Somebody say, I have a new destination. Yeah, I can see you enjoyed that message. Tonight, we are looking at who am I in Christ? Who am I in Christ? That's what we are looking at. And tonight we are looking at I'm a beloved child of God. I'm a beloved child of God. Somebody say, I'm a beloved child of God. Say, I am a beloved child of God. Yeah, it's important that 
we don't see ourselves as people God is angry at. A lot of Christians have this mindset that God is angry at them. Particularly when they do wrong. They think that when they come to church regularly, when they tithe, when they, they don't sin, they don't insult, then God is very much at peace with them. But the moment they sin, God gets angry at them. God is looking for them to hammer them down. That people have all kinds of things. So people have the tendency to run away from God. When everything is okay, we think God accepts us. When there's a challenge with us, we think that God rejects us. So we are looking at who am I in Christ. And we are saying that in Christ, you are a beloved child. Somebody say, I'm a beloved child. Say, I'm a beloved child. And I want us to look at a number of references that establishes this. Beloved simply means you are dearly loved. Somebody say, I'm dearly loved. Say, I am dearly loved. You are not somebody God is angry with. You are not somebody God hates. You are somebody God is delighted in. You are somebody God is well pleased in. In the mighty name of Jesus. God sees you as a beloved child. You see, God sees you the same way he saw Jesus Christ. You are as beloved child to him as Jesus was to him. You remember what he said? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, when God looks at you also in Christ, he sees you the same way. He sees you as his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. Somebody say, God is well pleased in me. Now, let's look at it. Romans chapter 1 verse 7. He said to all who are in Rome, beloved of God. Did you see that? So Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome and he calls them the beloved of God. Now, that is one. Romans chapter 9, verse 25 to 26. Romans 9, 25 to 26. As he says also in Hosea, I'll call them my people who are not my people. This is almost the same as the reference from 2 Peter 2, 9 and 10. He said, I'll call them my people who are not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. One name does God call you now? Beloved. You were not a beloved before, but in Christ, you are now a beloved. He said, it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said, you are not my people. There, they shall be called the sons of the living God. Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Then you qualify to be described as the beloved of God. Romans 12, 19. Let's just take note of those references before I zoom in. Let's read it together. One go. Beloved. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. The key word is beloved. Somebody say beloved. First Corinthians 4 verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Are you following? Okay, First Corinthians 15 verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, did you see that? Who are you? Beloved brethren. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Come with me, Colossians 3, verse 12. Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, somebody say, I'm the elect of God. Holy and beloved. Did you see that? God describes you as what? Holy and beloved. Somebody say, I am holy and I'm his beloved. He said, therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tendernesses, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Alright? So, 
We're saying that in Christ Jesus, God views us as the beloved. Somebody say the beloved. Now come with me to Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. All praise to God. Let's read from the New Living Translation. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. First, that's verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Somebody say, God loves me. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Can you understand that? He says, you are without fault in God's eyes. There are certain people, when you relate with them, they point out your faults to you. And you can never please them. Every now and then, they make you know what is wrong with you. Every time. The, the best you can get of them is that they will show you what is wrong with you. The moment you get close to them, you will know what's wrong with you. But the Bible says, when you come before God, he looks at you without fault in his eyes. Praise God. He said, without blame before him in love. Give me the New Living Translation, please. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Somebody say, I'm without fault. Now, I'm going to teach on the love of God for you because it's important we understand this. Most times we, we talk about our love for God, but the foundation upon which we can stand to claim to love God is God's love for us. And until you understand the love of God for you, you are not likely to be able to relate with God in the most honorable way or the most pleasing way and the most comfortable way. You need to understand this is the very foundation of our faith. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Before we could come into a relationship with God, he loved us. Praise God. But unfortunately, and because of religious teaching, we have grown up thinking that God's relationship with us is based on our love for him and not his love for us. Praise God. So a lot of effort is put into trying to love God. But you see, when you learn to understand God's love for you, you don't make effort to love God. You naturally respond to his love. Praise God. That's why it's important that we understand God's love for us. And this night, that's what I seek to do. First John chapter 3 verse 1. He said, Behold, one manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Somebody say, one manner of love. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, one manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Somebody say, I'm a beloved child of God. Say, I'm a beloved child of God. One of the revelations, the highest revelation you can get about God is the fact that God is love. Somebody say, God is love. That is God's highest revelation he can give about himself. God is love. The Bible tells us in the book of John, it said, God is love. And in whom there is no shadow of variableness at all. God is love. Now, God is love and he so loved us. So we need to understand his love. Come with me to Ephesians 3 verse 14 to 19. I'm just laying the foundation. For this reason, good news if you have it. For this reason, I fall on my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth receives his true name. This is Apostle Paul. 
Apostle Paul was just writing to the Ephesian church and he was telling them reasons why he's falling on his knees. He said, I ask God from the wealth of his glory to give you power through his spirit to be strong in your inner selves. I pray that God will make his home in your hearts through faith. I pray that you may have your root and foundation in love. Somebody say your roots. Say your roots and foundation. Not in your love for God, but in his love for you. Your root and your foundation, you must be rooted and grounded. In the King James says, you be rooted and grounded in love. Our root must be rooted. A lot of us, our root is based on our love for God. And our love for God is so fickle. Every now and then, there are many commitments we make to God. And most times, we are not able to honor it. How many of you have been there before you? And the moment Satan reminds you, you feel all bad as if God is angry with you. So if God were to anchor his relationship with us on our love for him, that relationship would have failed a long time ago. How many of you believe that? It would have failed a long time ago. That's why Paul is saying that we must be rooted. The foundation of our faith must be rooted in God's love for us. Verse 18. So that together with all God's people, you may have the power to understand how broad and long, how high and deep is Christ's love. Yes, May you come to know his love, although it can never be fully known. And so be completely filled with the very nature of God. How can we be filled with the nature of God when we come to understand his love? When we come to understand his love, we become filled with his nature. No matter the challenge you can face in life, when you understand the love of God, you always come on top. That was one thing that gave Apostle Paul the upper hand in all the conflicts of his life. In the book of Romans 8, 35 to 37, he said, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, peril and so Now listen, he did not say what shall separate us from our love from Christ. He said, what shall separate us from the love of God? God's love for us. You and I are inseparable from the love of God. Sometimes we want to even drift away. But while we are drifting, God is still chasing after us. Praise God. That is the unsearchable love of God. Now let's look at the genesis of God's love for us. Because that's where it all began. Where did God's love for us begin? Where did his love for us begin? Number one, God's love for us began before the foundations of the world. That's where God's love for us began. That's why I'm telling you that the strongest foundation you must build your Christian life on is God's love for you. Somebody say, God's love for me. Yeah. I'm not saying don't love God. But it's easier to love God when you understand God's love for you. That's why this is very critical. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. He said, even before he made the word, God loved us. Did you see that? When did God love you? He said, even before he made the word, God did what? Loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault before him. When did God love you? Before the world was made. When you look at the beauty of creation, the fact that when you came, there was a, what do you call it, plant, so that when you give out carbon dioxide, you can take in oxygen. It was all an expression of God's love. Everything you need to make life meaningful was made available before man was made. Why? Because of God's love for man. Are you getting what I'm talking about? God loved you before the foundations. He created everything and finished before you came because of his love for you. So, when you get born again and you now started learning about loving God, you cannot be basing on your Christianity and your faith on your love for God. The oldest love for you is God's love for you. 
That's the first one. The genesis of God's love was when you were not even born. Before you were blood clot in your mother's womb, God loved you. Number two, while you were a sinner. Alright? So now, you are born and you are born into sin. You remember what David said? He said, in sin did my mother conceive me and in sin I was born. All of us were born in Adam and because we were born in Adam, we were born sinners. Then the Bible said, while we were sinners, look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God showed us his great love. Somebody say great love. Who? Great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Follow this reading closely because a lot of us now that we are born again, sometimes when something goes wrong, we fall into a temptation or, and we begin to think that God loves us less. How many of you have felt God loves you less? When you are not tightened, God loves you less. Now lift up your hand, please. <laughs> when you don't come to church regularly, God loves you less. Yeah. That is the biggest lie you have believed. Now, when you were a sinner, typical sinner, full-time sinner, he loved you. Now you are born again and you are a child. And you think that now he will love you any less. It is actually now he loves you more. That's why we need to understand God's love for us. You see? You have based for a long time your relationship on your love for God. So when you are not able to do the commitment based on your own, sometimes the commitments are things that we have even decided to do ourselves. You said you're going to pray for one hour. You're not able to pray for even 15 minutes and you feel that God loves you less. You're going to visit somebody, win a soul, and by the end of the month, you have not been able to win the soul. You begin to feel guilty in yourself and begin to feel that God loves you any less. That cannot be true. Three ways God expresses love for us. Three ways God expresses love for us. First John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. I know some of these things I'm teaching will challenge your theology, but you need to allow it. Yeah, it will help you and set you on the right course. God showed us how much he loved us. 1 John 4, 9 to 10. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Somebody say, this is real love. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. What is real love? That God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sin. Why? Because the Bible says, greater love are no man than this. That a man will lay down his life for his friends. I wonder how many of us are willing to lay down our lives for our friends. Real love is God sacrificing his only begotten son for us. Three ways God expresses love for us. One, by choosing us before the foundations of the world. God chose you out of love. He chose to have a relationship with you. He chose to make you his own. He chose you for a unique purpose. The Bible said you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. He are chosen out of darkness to show his marvelous life. God chose you before the foundations of the world. We are told in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Even before he made the word, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Somebody say, I'm chosen in Christ. Say, I am chosen in Christ. So, God's love was manifested. He demonstrated his love when, number one, he chose us. Number two, he demonstrated his love or manifested his love towards us by sacrificing his son to save us. That's the second time God demonstrated or expressed his love toward us. By sacrificing his son to save us. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 5. But God is so rich in mercy 
and he loved us so much. Somebody say he loved us so much. Put your hand on your chest and say God loves me so much. You, you, you see, you cannot read the letters of Paul and not see how much God loves you. Praise God. He said he loves us so much. What did he do? That even though we were dead because of our sins, what did he do? He gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that we have been saved. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 to 8. Romans 5, 5 to 8. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. The hope that you are loved will not lead to disappointment. He said, for we know how dearly God loves us. Wow. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now go to verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, look at it. When you were utterly what? Helpless. Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. Verse 7. Now most people will not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Verse 8. He says, but God. Somebody say, but God. Say, but God. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. Now, how many of you now believe that God loves sinners? Those who are not born again, he loves them. Now, if God loves sinners and he loves them so much, then how much more those who are his children? That's why I'm telling you, you are a beloved child of God. Somebody say, I'm a beloved child of God. I want you to come to a place where you don't decide or you don't base your love on how you feel because that is where you genuinely feel loved. How many of you have felt loved before? Uh-huh. And that is also another thing that deceives us. When we feel loved, we feel that God loves us. But God's love for us is not a feeling base, it's a faith base. Whether you feel like you are loved or not, the prodigal son made a mess of himself. But it never took away the love of his father for him. The love was intact. Praise God. By sacrificing the son to die for us. And then, number three, God demonstrated or manifested his love toward us by adopting us as his children. Adopting us as his children. Somebody say, I'm an adopted child. Now, let me show you the difference between adoption in those days. During the Greco-Roman Empire, adoption was different from what it is. Now, if you are going to adopt a child, you do so when the child is young. But in those times, before they adopted a person, the person must come to a place of maturity where you are ready to be handed over the family's inheritance. That was how adoption was done in those days. The Bible says, now are we sons and heirs of the kingdom, heirs of Christ and joint heirs with Christ. He's simply saying that we've been adopted at the right time to partake of the inheritance of Christ. Are you following what I'm teaching? So, you are adopted as God's own child. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 to 5. He said, even before he made the word, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his own eyes. Verse 5. God decided in advance. This is what they call predestination. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through who? Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted and it gave him great pleasure. Did you understand what I just read? It gives God great pleasure to call you his own child. 
That's why you must learn. The whole concept of discovering your identity is so you can call yourself the way God calls you. Don't see yourself as one God is angry with. Don't see yourself as somebody God is so mad about. You must see yourself as someone God is so madly in love with. And he will do anything just to reach out for you. There is nothing you cannot deal with when you come to a place where you understand that God loves you above everybody else on the planet. That's a mentality you must have. Because that, and it's not like I'm just telling you that is what it is. If you were the only single person that needed to live, Jesus would have come anyway. That's how much valuable you are to God. You see, the value of a thing is usually shown by how much we pay for. Am I communicating here? Yeah. How much of value a thing is, is seen by the price you pay for it. Not all cars have the same value. Not all tablets have the same value. Not all watches have the same value. Rolex watch is more expensive than some other watches. I don't know the one you are wearing, so I won't call it. But <laughs> some phones are more expensive than other phones. So there are things that differ in value and they differ in price. Now, the price on your head, under the Old Testament, the price for man's sin and transgression was the blood of bulls and of goats. And we are told in the book of Hebrews, he said, neither by the blood of bulls of goats or nor by calves, but by his own blood. He shed his own precious blood for us. The value for your life and for your salvation was not the blood of goats, was not the blood of cows, it was the priceless blood of Christ Jesus. Am I communicating? That's what the Bible says, you are bought with a price. That must sink into your mentality and give you a certain sense of value. Some of us have a low self-esteem. And the reason why, because we don't know our value, we don't know the price tag on our head. God decided in advance, four attributes of God's love for you. Four attributes of God's love for you. Number one, God loves you with great love. Somebody say, God loves me with great love. The love God has for you is not small love, it's great love. God loves you with great love. God loves you with great love. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and 5. He said, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love. Whatever you can imagine as great love, that is how much God loves you. Somebody say, God loves me with great love. Put your hand on your chest and say, God loves me with great love. Yeah, he loves you with great love. The Bible said, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Number two, God loves you with incomprehensible love. Somebody say incomprehensible love. Love that cannot be understood. Love that cannot be explained. Love that cannot be described. Reckless love. That's what the songwriter wrote and said. It doesn't make sense at all. The one who knew no sin will be sacrificed for sinners. The one who was so holy will be sacrificed for people who had no intention of uh, giving up on their sins. That is how much God loves us. The Bible said, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your root will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand. Somebody say power to understand. Power to understand as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Praise God. 
When we think about God's love, it's not something you can easily explain. That's why sometimes we find it so difficult to receive it because we can't understand it. Yeah, You can't understand the fact that you fall into sin and God is coming after you. Look at the prodigal son, the extent he went. Any of us will write him off and say, it's over. But the father stood waiting constantly for the day the child will come back. God loves you with incomprehensible. Number three, this is where a lot of us are challenged. God loves you with unconditional love. Somebody say unconditional love. Take the conditions off. If I do this, God loves me. If you do this, God loves you. It's if you do that, okay. So when you were a sinner, what were you doing? Talk back to me. When you were a sinner, what did you do? Now you say, if you come to church, God loves you. If you pray three hours, God loves you. If you give to the needy, God loves you. If you do this, God loves you. Now, when you were a sinner and you were not born again, you didn't know church, you didn't know anything. What were you doing to merit God's love? God's love for us is unconditional. If he loved you while you were a sinner, you don't have to do anything for him to love you more. Now that you are saved, I'm not complicating here. You don't have to do, listen, there is simply nothing you can do for God to love you more or there is nothing you can do for God to love you less. God is madly in love with you. You didn't understand that. <laughs> you see, it's the same thing. I know because the love is incomprehensible. I know a lot of you are finding it very difficult to understand what I'm saying. But you'll understand by the time you understand, we have moved ahead. Yeah. You are finding it very difficult because you want to merit it. And that is human nature. We want to do something to earn it. And most of the things we get in life, we end them. And so we want to see if we can earn God's love. But God's love is so precious that we can't earn it. The price on this love, if we were to earn it, nobody could pay. What he needed to do to prove his love was the sacrificial life of his son. And there was nobody who could pay that price. So he decided to come die for us so he would demonstrate the magnitude of his love for us. God's love is unconditional. Somebody say God's love is unconditional. Yeah, you can't make God love you less and you can't make him love you more. Understand that. Number four. Number four is that God loves you with everlasting love. Somebody say everlasting love. <laughs> say everlasting love. Say I'm eternally loved. He loved you with everlasting love. Everlasting love. Everlasting love. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. The Lord has appeared to me of old saying, I have loved you with everlasting with everlasting what's everlasting endless love love that has no end it has no beginning it has no end he loved you before the foundations of the world and he will love you even throughout the ages praise god everlasting love he said i have loved you with everlasting love therefore with loving kindness i have drawn you praise god look at romans chapter 8 verse 35 to 39 romans 8 can anything, this is the everlasting nature of the love. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? He says, we have or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. Verse 36, he said, as the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Verse 37. He said, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who love. Somebody say, overwhelming victory is mine. Say, overwhelming victory is mine. Through my love for Christ. 
Huh? Through my love for Christ, right? Through your love for Christ. Through your love for Christ. That's why you can never be defeated in any battle. You see, when you face the battles of life, understanding the love of God, nothing can ever overcome you. Whatever the enemy brings your way, and understanding that you are loved by God, and nothing can change that, permanently grounds you on the path of victory. I see you walk in victory. I said, I see you walk in victory. Now look at verse 38, and let's read it together. Verse 38. He said, I am that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither nor life, angels, nor demons. For today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. <laughs> That's what it is. All that I've been praying for today is that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because this is not something you can appreciate with your mind. When you are a sinner, you believe that God loves you. But now that you are saved, you think that you have to do something to end it. Look at verse 39. He said, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Let me close. Four ways to respond to God's love. Four ways. If God loves you this much, how must you respond to God's love? Number one, know and believe it. Somebody say know and believe it. Say know and believe it. The reason I'm teaching you is so you know and believe it. Believe that you are the beloved child of God. Believe that about yourself. When you wake up in the morning, tell yourself, I am loved by God. I am God's beloved. I am loved, deeply loved and appreciated by God. I am wanted by God. I'm desired by God. I'm God's greatest obsession. Am I communicating to somebody? Now, you have to have that consciousness every day of your life. You can't be depressed walking about with the mindset that you are loved by God. Am I communicating? You cannot. You cannot. Look at 1 John 4, verse 16. 1 John 4, 16. He said, and we have known and believe. Did you see that? We have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. We have known and believe. Now you are knowing it. Will you believe it? Because it's not easy to believe that you don't have to do anything to merit God's love. You don't have to. You don't have to. It takes the burden is on him. What he needed to do, he has done it. Everything we do is just in response to God's love. That's what the Bible says. We love him because he first loved us. He set the state for us to be able to love God. That's critical. You have to know it, believe it, personalize it. That's that's all. Know it, believe it, personalize it. Number two, embrace God's love and love him back. Embrace God's love. Somebody say embrace God's love. Embrace it for you. Embrace God's love and love him back. First John chapter 4. He said we love him because he first loved us. Embrace God's love. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your heart into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. May the Lord direct your heart into the love of God. May your heart be directed into the love of God. May your heart be directed into the love of God. So you have to believe it. Don't base God's love for you on your feelings. Feelings come and go. Feelings come and go. There are times you worship, you are in worship and you feel God's love strongly. It is not different from the time where you don't feel anything at all. The love is still intact. 
it has not decreased by an ounce. It's still the same measure. Somebody say the same measure. 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 Number three, live daily in God's love. Live daily in God's love. First John chapter 4 verse 16. And we know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love will live in God. And God lives in them. Live daily in God's love. Somebody say, live daily in God's love. Jude 1, 21, he said, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself. Don't allow anything to take you away from the love of God. Be rooted and grounded in love. Live daily in God's love. Remind yourself daily that I'm loved of God. God loves me. God needs me. God appreciates me. Praise God. Number four, love others just as God has loved you. Now listen, listen, the reason why we have difficulty loving people, forgiving people, and we have a lot of problems is because we find it difficult accepting God's unconditional love. When you are loving people, you give them 10 conditions. If you fulfill this, you are loved. Is that not how we do things? And it's because we find it difficult embracing God's love. Now, when you understand that God loves you unconditionally, before you were a sinner, he loved you. After you are saved, he loves you. And his love is without any condition. When he tells you love your neighbor, how else do you expect him to love that neighbor? Love your neighbor just the same way he has loved you. If you can't love people unconditionally, the reason is one, you have not embraced God's love for you unconditionally. As long as you are doing things to earn God's love for you, you will always require that people earn your love. Your wife has to earn your love. Your children have to earn your love. Everybody will always have to earn your love. And it's very difficult to relate with people whom you have to always earn their love. Look at what the Bible says. He said, John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another. And the condition is as I have. As I have. How has God loved you? unconditionally. How has God loved you with a great love? How has God loved you with the incomprehensible love? How has God loved you with the everlasting love? How are you expected to love one another the same way? Praise God. Love is easy. Loving our neighbor, loving one another is easy. Once we understand, that's why I'm saying that your relationship with God and with all others is predicated on your understanding of God's love for you. People who can't forgive is because they don't understand the weight to which God has forgiven them. They don't understand the debt of God's forgiveness of them. When you understand that your sins were so much and you've been given so much, you won't allow anybody to beg, beg you, go on his knees before you, for you, before you forgive. You live in advanced forgiveness. When you understand that God has eternally forgiven you, your sins in the past, your sins in the future, your sins, all your sins have been taken care of on the cross. Once you understand this, and there is no guilt or weight of sin on your life. It makes it easier for you to walk in forgiveness and love towards others. I pray that we will walk in the understanding that God loves us. Listen, you may forget many things, but one thing you must always constantly remind yourself of is the fact that you are loved. I am the beloved of God. Pastor Afrakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books, 
by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 0540-122-670 or email us at faithhousechapeladiyahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. Our first service, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Our second service, 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. God richly bless you.